0: When the pastor forgets to bring his Bible up here, like I'm looking and I'm going, "Where's my Bible? It's not even up here. It's in my office." Fortunately, I I print all the scripture out as I as I preach. So, trust me. Open your Bibles. You open your Bibles. Open it to Philippians chapter one. Um, We're gonna look at we're gonna look at four verses. But as as the week went on, I was like, "Oh my goodness, there's just too much here. There's too many good things." So this is gonna be a two part message series. on just living as a citizen of heaven. So we'll, we'll have the first two, verse, two verses this week, and then in a couple of weeks after the mission trip, that stuff, we'll come back to the, the second part of this. Um, you know, it's, it's, great to, it's great to grow up in America. Like, if we're honest with ourselves, growing up in America is a really good thing. Um, we have a lot of freedom that maybe other places... D- and other places don't have. Thank you. Um, and and so, at soccer games, you know, when we when we say the Pledge of Allegiance um, this year, as is, is, uh, I'm at soccer game, every time we stand and we say the pledge, you put your hand over your heart and you say, you know what, I pledge I pledge allegiance to the flag, to the United States of America. And and it's it's this this pledge is kind of this unifying thing that everyone's doing in the stadium. And, um, and, and there's a sense where sometimes, sometimes at the end of that, I'll turn to a parent and I'll say, you know what, America still is really a great place to live. Um, but, <laughs> but as Christians, there's a sense where there's, there's a much greater allegiance that we have to another citizenship altogether. We are citizens of heaven we are citizens, and, and the Lord Jesus Christ, if you will, is our president of the United World. Like, he is, he's it. Jesus Christ, and he is perfect in all of his ways, as we sang about this morning. And so, but there's a sense where Paul is, is going to write here, he's writing to, to a, a Roman colony who, whose roots tied back to Rome. This, this, this Philippi has a special relationship with Rome. They have pledged their allegiance to Rome. They are citizens of Rome. They've been granted that citizenship after a, a war that took place. And this was a reward. This was, this was part of their inheritance was this citizenship. They got to enjoy all the rights and privileges of Rome and yet be 800 plus miles away. And there's a sense where, you know, where we might say, and maybe we don't say this anymore, I'm not sure anymore in our culture, but I'm proud to be an American you know, certainly in Philippi, the people that are there saying, I am proud to be a Roman, okay? There's a lot of, there was a lot of pride in their Roman citizenship, which is why Paul even, you know, said he appealed to Roman citizenship for the trial. That's why he's in Rome. Um, and so as a Roman citizen, their, their goal and their purpose in life was to advance Roman rule. We want to see, just like what happens in Rome, we want to see the whole world being dominated by this, this, these tenets of Rome, if you will. And so being on the edge of the Roman Empire and being the ones that are kind of carrying this gospel, so to speak, forward into, you know, out into the, the wild, barbarous uh, west, if you will, these, these people had especially had a lot of pride in their Roman heritage. And so Paul addresses them in a way that would connect to them. He addresses this another kind of citizenship that he wants the believers in Philippi to advance. And that's the citizenship of heaven, this, this idea of the gospel. I want you to advance this kingdom here on earth. And so two weeks ago, we saw that Paul was rejoicing. He's rejoicing at the opportunity that he has because of his suffering. Most of us, when we're in chains, we'd be going, woe is me, not Paul. Paul's like, chains? woohoo!" You know, this is an opportunity for the advancement of the gospel. And so he's writing to them, and he's saying, you know what? I'm chained to this, this Roman guard here, and I'm not sure who's chained to who. Because Every time I get chained to a new guy every 6 hours, I get to share the Jesus Christ with them. I get to share the hope that I have with them. I get to share why I have so much joy in my heart. And he's talking about this heavenly citizenship that he has. He's going, "Guys, there's a greater citizenship that we have here." And so he's excited because the gospel is being advanced at the highest level of society amongst the Praetorian Guard. He's excited because the gospel is being advanced by other pastors. Other pastors are looking at him and going, hey, this is an opportunity, guys. We can now take over Paul's fame here. We can be famous ourselves. And, And so, but Paul's like, I don't care. I didn't set out to be famous. This isn't about me being famous. This is about Jesus Christ being famous. And so, you know what? Whether it's me or it's someone else heralding the truth of the gospel all that matters is that Christ is preached. And so Paul rejoices, even if they're out of false motives, Christ is being preached. Um, and then last week we looked at how Paul was encouraged because not only was the gospel being advanced, but because of his chains and because of his suffering, this suffering was actually bringing about his own deliverance, his own salvation, if you will, as he, as he looks forward to the to the... The finishing of his faith um, and he looks towards his heavenly reward and so in our text this morning paul now shifts from himself he now shifts from what we might call the prologue or kind of the intro to really the body of his message he's moving from hey this is how it's going with me this is what's happening to me and now enough about me let's talk about you let's talk about what's going to happen in philippi and so he shifts his focus to the focus to the believers there and he challenges them to follow his example in living as a citizen of heaven. You know, in message community this week, uh, Ken, Ken kind of brought this point out. This is kind of Paul's out-the-door message, if you will. So my parents didn't say this, but when, when Ken left the house as a little kid, his parents would always say, all right, be a little man. Anybody ever, did your parents ever say that to you when you're kind of walking out the door? Maybe it's more like... Uh, Hey, all right, represent, you know, represent us well, right? Or in the in the spirit of DCG school systems, what are the three things? <laughs> Sorry. Ha- what does the principal say? Come on. He says it all the time. Have a great day, something, something, and don't get arrested. But that's, you know, I would say <laughs> that's like... That's not really that good. What do you say, Rebecca? Uh, Thank you. That's much better. You say it. You're so eloquent at that. Much better. This is his out-the-door message to the church. Hey, you represent the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul's encouraging the believers to to reflect Jesus well. And so we pick up here in verse 27, and he says, whatever happens... Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. And so Paul shifts now. He says, all right, I'm going to teach you. This is what it means to live as a citizen of heaven. Whatever happens, the NASB says there, it says, only. In other words, Paul's saying, this is an all-encompassing statement. What I'm about to say to you is really the heart of this letter. If you need a purpose behind this letter, these verses form the purpose of what Paul's writing. And he's going to then spell out what it looks like to conduct ourselves as citizens of heaven throughout the rest of the letter. And so he's saying, only this, in other words, whatever happens, only This is to be the focus of your life. Here's why I I can rejoice. Here's why I rejoice in the midst of my chains. Here's the reason. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's this, I'm, I'm a heavenly citizen. I'm focused on the eternal reward. I'm not worried about the things that are happening here. These things mean nothing to me. So Paul connects that to them. and He says, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy. Interesting phrase. The English needs, what is that, five, six words there to, to communicate one word in the Greek. And if we just break the Greek all the way down to the very simple word, it's the word polis. Entire statement into one word, polis. Maybe you've heard of um, the word metropolis right metropolis is what it's a big city right yeah so this idea of polis is the idea of city it's the simplest form it's it, it in its noun form it means in other words conduct yourselves in a manner worthy means city and they would have understood everything that paul was saying because as roman citizens the city was everything to them being a part of the polis is everything. And the noun form is citizenship. For a Roman citizen, that is everything for them. In the verb form, it's this idea, this phrase, to conduct oneself worthy as a citizen of the city-state. Now, in today's culture, doesn't mean a whole lot, does it? We can live in grimes, and you can feel no attachment to it, Right? In fact, what do we call Br- grimes? <laughs> Thank you. We call it a bedroom community. Wow, what is it? If, man, if that doesn't say how much we really care about the community, I don't know what does. Yeah, we just sleep here. That's all that we really do here. Um, even Iowa. You know, there's a sense where, like, this idea of a city-state, even Iowa, um, are we, do we, find that Iowa is a place that we really belong to and that we really take a lot of pride in being Iowans. Yes. <laughs> spoken like a true Iowan. <laughs> Good job, Ryan. Well, it's not possible for for the folks at Philippi to call this to call Philippi a bedroom community. It's just not possible. The, the polis, the city, is, its, is, is life. Its laws are a part of their being. Its customs were something that they're proud of. This person knows all about the city, and they know practically everyone in it. And the polis, the city, would demand loyalty, and, and a person who loved the city would give it willingly. In fact, the city was the best thing in their life. Now, if we start to just think about that and we begin then to look at the statement conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. In other words, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so if this meant everything to the Roman citizen, how much more should this gospel of Christ mean to them? It should be everything. It's their life. The idea here is that, that the manner of our life should weigh as much as the gospel we claim to be committed to. How we dress, how we speak, how we act must line up with our loyalty. Heaven. We're not just individuals who do whatever we want. We're, we're not We're we're interdependent members of a community of faith. And our heritage is firmly rooted in heaven and the inheritance that we're waiting for there. And so he says, conduct yourselves in that way. Live like that. Just, Just like Christ is everything for me. Make Christ your life. And so he goes on and he says, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Let's look at this word gospel of Christ, and then we'll come back to the idea of being worthy. How, how do you define something like this? This word gospel is difficult, right? It's a, it, it, in its simplest form, it means good news, this good announcement. The good announcement of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, remember in Isaiah 52 verse 7, remember it's this, this, it's this foreshadowing. It's how beautiful in the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim what? They proclaim peace, Pax Romana, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. They were waiting for this to happen. They were waiting for this Messiah to come. What are some of the first things that Jesus says in his ministry, in his earthly ministry? Jesus shows up on the scene, lives his childhood, gets baptized. Mark 1, verse 14 and 15, he says this. After John's put in prison, Jesus goes into Galilee, and he's proclaiming the good news of God. He says, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. It's this idea of gospel. So somewhere in this word gospel is this idea that there is a a kingdom that's coming. Christ is bringing something new. Christ is bringing this, this heavenly kingdom. I mean, we pray it, right? I mean, in the Lord's prayer. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That ought to be the pledge of allegiance for a believer, is that the kingdom of God would come here on earth as it is in heaven. That's conducting ourselves in a manner that's worthy of this gospel. This gospel, though, he goes on in Mark 10:45, Jesus says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So part of this gospel message, part of this good news that Christ was bringing is that, guess what, I've come to ransom you. I've come to buy you back. I've come to redeem your life from the pit. That's the good news. that Jesus Christ would become our substitute at the cross so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be set free, so that we can enjoy God. And of course, probably the most distinct description of gospel is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 where Paul writes, now brothers, I want you to I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you have taken your stand. This is everything to you. This is where you're taking your stand. By this gospel you're saved. And if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you believed in vain. Here it is. For what I received I passed on to you as a first important, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Peter and then to the Twelve. That is the gospel, that Christ died for sin. Right? Don't take sin out of the gospel. If you take sin out, then you have no gospel. And unfortunately... That's what's happening in our world today. Sin is no longer a part of the gospel message. What are we being redeemed from then? 1 Peter 3.18 says it this way, For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. Guess what? I'm good news, Jesus is saying. The good news is here. The kingdom of God is now here. And the good news is this is that I've come to redeem you. I have a heavenly citizenship that I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, you can be also. And as believers in Jesus Christ, we respond to that gospel. We respond to the grace of God, not by cheapening it, not by saying, "Well, you know, it's grace. It's not what Paul says. I mean, he's, yes, it is by grace that you've been saved. It is through faith. But it matters how you live. How we live here matters. And that's why Paul says, I want you to conduct yourselves in a manner that is worthy of the gospel. The word worthy there, um, we can't make ourselves worthy to receive salvation that's clear right you can't muster up enough good works enough goodness in you to to save yourself we're saved by grace and the forgiveness of sins comes through one who is perfect the lord jesus christ and so it is by the grace of god that we stand so what does paul mean when he says worthy of the gospel what does he mean? Jesus? He says it a bunch. He says, in, in Matthew chapter three and verse eight, he says, "Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance." It does matter how we live our lives then. Bear the fruit that's worthy of repentance. If you're going to fall on the grace of God and the forgiveness of sins, your life's going to look different. You're going to bear some fruit. You're going to take pride in your heavenly citizenship. In Acts twenty six twenty he says, I preach that they should not, this is Paul, repent, I preach that they should repent and turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds. Or Jesus says it again in, in Matthew chapter 10, anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is what is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Does that sound like it just doesn't really matter how we live? Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What's Jesus saying there? He's not saying, hate your father and mother, say, you know, it's Father's Day, just, you know, hey, don't don't worry about your fathers. He's not saying that. But he's saying that being worthy of Jesus is to value Jesus more than anything else in your life. To to see Jesus as worthy, as worth a lot. Jesus is the most valuable thing in your life. And that's why Paul, you know, he said it last week, for me to live as Christ and to die as Christ, Christ is everything. But in this context, I think he's saying, Paul is saying that, that we're to live as if we're being watched, right? Remember that people judge heaven by the conduct of its citizens. You see, we represent the gospel of Jesus Christ, and therefore we must live in a way, manner that's worthy. People are watching you. The city, if you will, is is watching. They're watching to see how you live and how you conduct your life. And so he says, hey, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And after making that statement, um, Paul goes on and he describes how we live as as Christian citizens here on earth. Look Look at the next statement there. In verse 27, he says, Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, here's three things that I want you to see. I will know that, number one, you stand firm in one spirit. Number two, you content, you're contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. And number three, as without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. How do we live as citizens of heaven, at least according to this letter that Paul's writing? When you read this text, you see that it's pretty clear that there is a battle that's going on. We talk about this a lot as a church. In fact, there's an all-out war against Jesus and against his followers. Paul faced opposition everywhere he went. Everywhere he went. Now, Why did Paul face opposition? Because he was preaching the gospel. Because he was living out his faith. Because Christ meant everything to him. He wasn't afraid to say the name of Jesus Christ in Philippi. In fact, those things got him put in prison. He's not afraid. In fact, he's looking forward to the time when he's going to stand before the emperor it's like, I can't wait to name the name Jesus Christ. I can't wait to tell them what Christ has done and what he can do in their lives. I'm afraid that that's the difference between Paul and a lot of heaven's citizens. Paul is passionate about the Christ. He is going to speak the name of Jesus Christ. And when you do that, you're in a war. You're going to get persecuted. That's for two weeks from now. But Paul faces opposition everywhere he goes. And so he uses these three things. Gene Getz says it this way. He he says, you know, a believer should have a, a good defense, a good offense, and a positive attitude. If you want to be a part of a winning team, guess what? You're going to have three things. You're going to have a good offense, defense, a good offense, and a positive attitude. And so he he begins here with the defense. He says, standing together as one. Stand firm in one spirit. This picture here is beautiful. It's this idea of the Roman military formation where soldiers stand side by side, shoulder to shoulder, as they gather in close as possible to each other. They held their shields up and their spears up. Maybe you've seen it in some of the movies. And they were nearly impenetrable in that position. This word is used of a good soldier who defended his position no matter what. And I think for us, standing firm is an exhortation to us to stand up for what's true, for what's right. Stand up for the truth of God's word. Don't be afraid to proclaim it. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Stand up. For the truth of the gospel message. Romans 12, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. I'll say that again. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. We're heaven's citizens. In 1 John it says, Don't love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever good verse. It's a good exhortation for us. What does it look like to stand firm in our culture? Dare I... All right, I'll pick on the teenagers real quick. So this idea of virginity, you know, to, to, stand, to stand up for, for not having sex before marriage. You do that today You stand up and you say, you know what, I'm a virgin and I'm saving that for the person that I love, for the person that's going to marry me. What's going to happen to you? You're probably going to face a little bit of ridicule. You're going to be labeled a prude. You're going to, they're going to make fun of you. Or maybe it's this, maybe standing firm on this idea that, that Jesus Christ is the only way to God. Is he? Like, is he? Yeah, I, I believe that he is. I believe that, I believe, you know, John 14, 6. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Go say that to people, though. Go say that to, to people. And what are you going to get? Hate. This is hatred. What about all these people over there who are worshiping Allah. What about them? How could a God who loves, even a God who loves will pursue them? We talked about the reckless love of God, right? Our God pursues. Don't worry about that. God will pursue them. God loves. But Jesus Christ is the only way to God. He is the gate. He is the door. He said it himself in his word, and we hold firm to that. Don't back down off of it. The minute you do that, man, you open yourself up to all sorts of false teaching, all sorts of false ideas. And so he says here, he says, I want you to stand firm. As heaven's citizens, we are called to stand up for what is right. And not just to stand, but to live. Look at the next statement there. He says, striving together as one man. That's the new NIV. The old NIV says, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. Striving together as one man. There's the offense, right? We're to aggressively advance the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice, I don't want you to miss this idea of as one, right? Don't miss this, this beautiful unity that happens. Guess what? You don't have to advance the gospel by yourself. There's strength in numbers. There's strength when the church of Jesus Christ advances the gospel in the kingdom of God. He's saying, strive together as one man. Christian community is paramount. The church is important. It matters. It is not irrelevant. How difficult is it for you to take a stand by yourself without other believers surrounding you? How difficult is it to live out the Christian life without the church, without being a part of the body of Christ? I remember back in Arkansas, I would just challenge people who, you know, they they this one this one family never came to church. The kids came to student ministry and they're like, you know what, we, we think the church is broken, it's messed up, yada yada and so forth. And um, you know what, we're just gonna read our Bibles here and do our thing here. And that's not how it works, folks. That's not re- you are setting yourself up for failure. The church is important. The body of Christ is important. Community is important. Being a part of Christian community is important. You need the encouragement that that comes. And I think you also need the the boldness that can come from a body of believers coming together to proclaim the gospel. Now the problem is, is that oftentimes the church is too busy biting and devouring one another. And that's maybe why some of these folks are going, you know what, forget the church. You know, it's difficult to advance the kingdom of God when this is happening, when the church is biting and devouring one another. Praise God, I don't see that here at Crossroads Community Church. Praise God. It takes a whole layer out where we can advance the kingdom. I think, that, I think that the kingdom of God was advanced this last week at VBS. And there was a whole army of people that were advancing this kingdom. It was beautiful. Priscilla was worried. She didn't think anybody was going to show up. There wouldn't be any volunteers. She said, oh, just wait. Don't worry. The church will show up. Just give it time. And they showed up, didn't they? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Isn't it amazing? They just keep you, like, in suspense all the time. I don't know. Yeah. This this aggressively advancing the gospel, let me just speak real quick to this idea of blending in. This idea of kind of hunkering down, blending in, and just kind of waiting for the kingdom of God to come. You ever met people like that? Ever met believers like that? That are just watching what's happening out in the world? It's kind of the why to you. Thing. anyway it, yeah no, it, um, They're just kind of watching what's going on out in the world. And they're like, yep, see, it's getting closer. You know, the Lord Jesus, the day of the Lord Jesus Christ is coming. Let's just, we're watching for it. We'll watch from a distance. Yep, the government's going to fall and, and everything's going to happen. And then the Lord Jesus Christ will come. And we just kind of huddle up in our own little Christian community here waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. That is not what paul is saying here at all paul's saying as a church as believers in christ hey strive together as one man move this thing forward don't just stand firm yes stand firm on the truth of god but then advance this gospel take it to the nations don't just blend in live differently look differently look like a citizen of heaven Maybe the reason that we don't face persecution is because it's very easy for us to just kind of blend in. And guess what? If, you, if we just blend in, we won't face any persecution. That's the beauty of this society. But that's not what God's called us to do. He says, I want you to contend as one man for the faith of the gospel. And then he goes on here and he says, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. In other words, contend with a fearless faith. He's like, you know what, guys? I am not intimidated by Caesar. I'm not going to be intimidated by him. I'm not going to be ashamed. I'm not going to be disappointed. And I don't want you to be intimidated or disappointed either. Now, confrontation (laughs) runs against being Iowa nice, doesn't it? It just runs in the face of it. It's so difficult for us to to actually say things that might be hard for someone to hear. Man, I struggle with that. It's so much easier to just stand firm, (laughs) you know, to stand firm on what I believe. It's a lot easier to stand up here and to preach to you than it is to get in a conversation one-on-one and say, you know what? You're not living like a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Why not? What's going on? We we don't confront because we're afraid. We don't go to our neighbors to invite them to vacation Bible school because we don't want to be presumptuous and we don't want to to think, oh, they they might think we're not Christians, you know, or whatever other excuses we might make. Oh, I don't want to offend them. Oh, I want to really ease into this, this thing, you know. I don't have a good enough relationship yet to do this. He's saying, you know what? Press forward. Contend with a fearless faith. Don't be intimidated. Don't talk yourself out of it. Don't be intimidated by your own voice in your head or the voice of the enemy in your head without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you move this forward e stanley jones said this in his commentary i thought this is interesting he says the early christians did not say in dismay look what the world has come to but in delight look what has come to the world they saw not merely the ruin but the resources for the reconstruction of that ruin They saw not merely that sin did abound, but that grace did abound much more. On that assurance, the pivot of history swung from blank despair, loss of moral nerve, fatalism, to faith and confidence that at last sin had met its match, that something new had come into the world that not only here and there, but on a wide scale, men could attain to that hitherto or what they couldn't before that was impossible goodness their hope was in christ they saw that christ could make a difference and so they stood on that conviction and they went before caesar they were burned you know before nero the first christians man They contended and they advanced the kingdom of God like nobody's business because they were fearless. Like I don't care what you can do to my body, it matters what happens to the soul. And folks, I think that the good news of Jesus Christ, it brings hope and courage to our hearts. It should bring hope and courage to your heart. As heaven's citizens We must advance this gospel. We must stand firm against the attack of truth. Seeing our brothers and sisters as fellow soldiers and uniting together to move the kingdom of God forward in this world and thus living with a fearless resolve. That's what we should be doing. So how do we do that? What do we do we do? I think it begins I think it begins all the way back with that word worthy for me. I think it begins with esteeming Christ as of great worth. He is your treasure. He's the most important thing in your life. And as you begin to discover the riches of Christ as you begin to dive into this the red letters in the Bible the kingdom of God stuff that Jesus Christ is talking about, this gospel of Christ, as you begin to see what Jesus is talking about and, and you really begin to develop this intimate relationship with Him, I think you can't help but, but speak about it. I think it changes who we are. It changes what we say. I think that's where it begins. I think it can begin in the church, where we stand up for what's right within the body, where we contend as one man, we stand firm for the truth. Sometimes we might have to confront um, our fellow believers in Jesus Christ. We might have to say hard things. If we can do that within the church where we're all friends in a body and we should like each other and love each other, I think it gives us, it begins to give us a boldness and a courage then to to step out of these doors and start to make a difference in our schools and start to make a difference in this polis, in this city. You know, a a desire, a vision that I would have, um, very similar to the one in Siloam Springs, Arkansas. When you drove into Siloam Springs, now I don't know if this is true anymore, but it said on the sign, welcome to Siloam Springs where Jesus Christ is Lord It's what it said, right on the sign of the city. Wow, what would it be like? Hey, welcome to Grimes, where Jesus Christ is Lord, where the churches of Grimes are contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. What would that be like? We began several years ago praying for that. We need to be praying again for that to happen. It can happen. God can move, be confident, trust Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank You, God, for Your Word. Um, Man, Lord, it's challenging, this Word. Um, This particular text, God, is really challenging to my own heart. Um, Father, as I try to navigate grace and, and... Right living, God, um, I find it challenging. I just find this text challenging, God. And I, and I pray, God, you continue to give insight and wisdom, God, as we live this out, as we chew on it this week, God, I pray that you would give each person just a real cl- clear picture, God, of what this, what this looks like in their lives. Um, Father, we want to be a, a, a people who live like citizens of heaven, God where this, this earth is not so important, all-encompassing, God. And so, God, begin to give us a glimpse again, God, as we read your word of what this kingdom will be like. Give us an excitement, God, and a joy that we could rejoice in it and think long-term and see, God, what it's, what it's going to be. And then, God, to act on it, to live in a way, God, that's worthy of that citizenship that we, that we possess as believers. Father, thank you. Um, Speak to us now as we sing. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray.